0: You're listening to the CIPD Podcast, the annual conference from Harrogate.
1: Hello, I'm Rajan Datta and you're listening to the CIPD Podcast from the Chartered Institute of Personnel and Development. This podcast, the first in a series of four, includes exclusive interviews with some of the top speakers at the CIPD's annual conference and exhibition in Harrogate. Spread over three days, the event attracted thousands of people management and development professionals. Over 100 speakers took to the stage, including more than 60 senior practitioners, with compelling stories to tell about how they've tackled people management and development challenges in their organisations. With such an array of speakers, it's impossible to cover everything in one short podcast, but what we did do is to catch up with the keynote speakers. You'll hear from Marcus Buckingham and Rene Moborn, plus some of the best practitioners in the business, and of course, some of you guys, the visitors. But first, we sent reporter Philippa Lamb to talk to Rob Goffey, Professor of Organisational Development at London Business School, and Gareth Jones, Visiting Professor at INSEAD, and a fellow at the Centre for Management Development at London Business School. They're co-authors of the award-winning Harvard Business Review article, Why Should Anyone Be Led by You?
0: Is it possible to teach anyone to be an effective leader? Or is there an innate something that's actually got
2: to be there? We've always said it's a modern myth that everyone can be a leader. And the reason why it's a myth is not everyone wants to be a leader.
0: But if you want to, can you be?
2: If you want to, there are undoubtedly things that you can learn. I mean, I don't know if you were there when we asked the audience. How many of you here play tennis? Do you get better if you practice? Marginally, that's sort of where I am with it. Who plays golf? Do you get better when you practice? Yeah. Who wants to be a more effective leader? Practice! (laughs) Leadership is an authentic, skillful role performance. If you want to be a more effective leader, be yourself more with skill. Thank you very much for listening to us.
0: (laughs) I think the thing you can't
1: really expect to teach is uh, really caring You know, what great leaders do is they really care about something and they communicate it. By the way, this is one of the reasons why they reveal their weaknesses, because they really care enough that they're prepared to put themselves on the line and reveal their weaknesses.
0: Do they need to care about their people or do they just need to care about their objectives?
1: We say it's both. So we sometimes refer to this as tough love. Sometimes we talk about tough empathy. It's about both the people and the task. The paradox is this. There's plenty of scope for more people in organisations to exercise leadership capability. You know, we suspect there's more to come out of most individuals. Does that mean everybody can be a leader? No, it doesn't. Um, does that mean everybody really wants to be a leader? No, it, no, it doesn't. It's it's tough, it's difficult, it's stressful, it's risky. Marcus Buckingham spent 17 years with the Gallup Organization, pioneering research into the world's best leaders, managers, and workplaces. Now an independent consultant, his books have sold over 1.6 million copies worldwide. He flew in from the States for the conference for a talk called What Great Managers Do. When he spoke to Philippa Lamb, he shared two key messages. His first, aimed at managers, was that the best way to enable people to do their best
2: is to free them up to do what they're best at there's simply no question that the driving factor which drives performance is a particular team's ability to identify the strengths and the talent of each person and put them to use. Those teams where people say they get to use their talent a lot massively outperform those teams that don't, not between companies, but within the same company. So whether it's productivity or profit or turnover of employees, or whether it's safety or whether it's customer loyalty, whatever measure you use, it is driven by whether or not people think that their talent is employed at work.
1: Marcus's second message was a more personal one to the audience. He said that there were three key things that they could do to become more effective managers.
2: We don't actually manage talent very well at all. In fact, if you ask people in Britain what percentage of a typical workday do you spend using your talents, 9% of people say most of the time. So although it may be a buzz phrase right now, most of us still don't do it very well. Faced with a world that doesn't care that much about your talent, how do you actually put it to use? What are the skills that you need to stay... On a track each week where you use your talent, faced with a world that keeps yanking and pulling and tugging you in different directions. There are three things you've got to know how to do. One of them is do you know which activities in a week play to your strengths and which ones play to your weaknesses? That sounds obvious. Most of us are terrible at it. Second, do you have a discipline each week to deliberately try to push your time? toward those activities that strengthen you and away from the ones that don't? And third, do you know how to talk about what you're doing in such a way that the people around you, your colleagues, your manager, actually want to help you?
1: Keynote speaker René Moborn, professor of strategy and management at INSEAD, is someone who's got big ideas about how to get HR involved at the heart of the business strategy so that it can really make an impact on the business. Her book, Blue Ocean Strategy, co-authored with Kim Chan, has sold over a million copies and is published in a staggering 32 languages. Here's a summary of her strategy theory for those few of you who haven't read it.
0: Red Ocean is about how do you compete in existing markets which tend to be Crowded, uh, filled with sharks, uh, facing commoditization, declining price points and market share battles. Blue oceans, on the other hand, are uncontested market spaces um, where you have no competition. In fact, you make your competitors irrelevant.
1: Philippa caught up with Renée after the talk she gave to a packed-out auditorium and asked her about the importance of HR understanding the wider business.
0: It doesn't sound as if you have a lot of patience with the complaints that we so often hear from HR professionals, that they're not taken seriously by boards by managers. I think what I'm saying is that you have to earn the right to be considered there. You can't just claim, I want to be in that room. And unless I can add value that everyone in that room says, my God, I can't go on without that person here, they're not going to keep getting access to those rooms. So it's, do I understand what the um, organization is up against? Do I understand what that means? Do I understand the strategic challenges? So I speak in their language system and can add value about how HR allows them to achieve that as opposed to just talking about HR issues in an isolated way.
1: If you want to find out more about the keynote speakers and the insightful talks they gave, you can find some useful links in the show notes at www.cipd.co.uk forward slash podcasts.
0: You're listening to the CIPD podcast.
1: It wasn't just about the big platform speakers. We also heard from over 60 senior HR practitioners from across the UK and beyond. Many of them were conscious of the need for the HR industry to prepare for a future where the definition of work has evolved. Baroness Susan Greenfield, Professor of Pharmacology at Oxford University and Director of the Royal Institution, gave a session called The Future of Work and told us how she thinks the HR manager can and must prepare for this.
3: I think increasingly work is Going beyond just merely having to eat and provide shelter for yourself, the fact that most of us work ludicrously long hours and uh, take our work home with us and think about work all the time means that it means more to us. As in the past, but increasingly now, I think it defines us. It's the first question you ask someone at a party, what do you do? So I think people have to realise that work is your identity in a world where there's no obvious caste background class religious categories uh, we tend to work to do that for us and i think that perhaps the manager of the future must realize that that person if you can give them a sense of individuality and fulfillment at work and a sense of self then that would actually be very very rewarding both for you and them and the organization
1: Neil Roden, Group Director of Human Resources at Royal Bank of Scotland, picked up on the challenges set out by Susan Greenfield and the ways HR professionals need to respond to ensure they and their organisations are equipped to meet these challenges. There's a shortage of people. Um, There's a shortage of good people. There are big issues around labour markets, there's big issues around the management of people at work, there's big generational shifts around what people's expectations are when they come to work these days. There's a whole range of huge big issues. Now, if you're stuck processing maternity leave forms, you're not addressing those big issues. Now, I'm not sure who is, if, if the HR people aren't. So in my view, the HR folks need to get themselves into a place where they do all the traditional stuff, but then organise and structure themselves in a way that creates time to actually deal with issues that organisations are all facing because I don't think you can be an effective HR person without understanding the business you're in. Deborah Loudon the Director General of Civilian Personnel at the Ministry of Defence has been making just this kind of change.
0: You have developed a new HR architecture you're putting into practice even as we speak how does it work what does it involve? It really involves what many big organisations are doing, which is moving the everyday transactions to a service centre. We're doing ours in-house because we believe we can do it better and more efficiently. And then having a small corporate centre which deals with the big strategic issues, particularly talent management and succession planning, and then having these business partners out with the business to pick up that crucial link that we are doing what the business needs. It's relatively new, this, for you, isn't it? But so far, what's your experience been in terms of its successes and failures? I think the major successes are that we've made significant efficiencies, and in our case that means redirection of major funds to the front line, which is what we're about. We're also doing some very exciting work on developing the right skill mix and reskilling people in our workforce, and that's at an early stage, but I think people are finding that a very exciting prospect.
1: Implementing this kind of change brings its own challenges. Kevin Green, people and organisational development director at Royal Mail, has been masterminding changes there for the last three years. He talked about how such a huge company was coping with the overhaul. Our change journey is is one which is being, you know, is quite difficult and our people are struggling with it, are coming to terms with it and are starting to change, but it's a big quest to change, you know, behavior and ways of working and getting people to do things that they've not done before. People like certainty. They like things to remain the same. So it's human nature and how do we convince people to do things differently? There needs to be some kind of psychological keys and psychological uh, triggers to get them to do things differently. Vicky Wright, the CIPD's new president, told Philippa what she, as someone who's visited the event for many years, thinks the conference offers delegates.
4: I'm looking for nuggets of information, you know, that little bit of thing that sparks the imagination. And certainly one of the other things I come to Harrogate for is actually to sit there and think, where is the profession going at the moment? What are the key themes that are running through? What's really interesting people? Where are people really making some differences which I can learn from? It's interesting at Harrogate because you've got a mix of two sorts of speakers. There are the people who've written the books and you sit there and think, I've now met the person. And... I had the opportunity to ask some questions sometimes about them and really seeing how they think and hear how they've formulated those ideas that you read about in the book. But the other thing is is that you meet a lot of people you wouldn't normally meet who speak very, very well, the practitioners, who have really got some good common sense. And you'd have never learnt about that unless you'd actually come to a conference and heard them speak.
0: Why have you come
3: to Harrogate? Um I think it's mainly it's a really good opportunity to attend seminars on a huge range of subjects.
0: So, did you find you actually took stuff out away from that that you think, yeah, I can take that back to my company and use it?
4: Absolutely. Well, I take. Well, I'm, I'm designing a new performance management system and, and uh, listening to the different approaches that Orange have taken and Royal Mail have given me lots of good ideas, and I, I need to sort of find a balance between them.
0: So, what brought you back for a second year?
3: Um, really, just the opportunity to network with people and to hear speakers, get fresh ideas, and just really, it's a great industry event.
0: It sounds like for you, the networking is almost as useful as actually the, the, you know, the formal conference sessions. I've met
3: some great people today and swapped ideas and over lunch and things, so it probably is as important as the speakers itself,
4: so yes. We've heard a lot about leadership, effective leadership, leadership at all levels in the organisation, um, and what does it take to be a leader. We've also heard that links to that is the HR contribution. How can HR be leaders in businesses? How can they get change? Um, And in that sense, I think we've we've had a number of sessions about the link between business strategy and people management. And that comes up with another theme about HR being involved at the strategy table, but also very, very much a lot of themes about making it happen. I think a number of people leaving this conference are going to have one change in the way they're thinking about themselves. They're going to be more confident. There's been a real buzz in the conference this year about being confident in the profession and as a profession in what we can do. Do you feel that you've learned stuff you can take back with your use? Oh, absolutely. I'm taking stuff back from my management
3: team straight away, really about um, how we can uh, make more of people's strengths rather than focusing on their weaknesses, and I think that's going to be a really big plus.
4: You never take time to reflect on what you do. And these three days give you time to reflect and sort of start thinking, oh, what am I doing? Am I on the right path? Yes or no? And that's so valuable because in in normal day life you just run and you never take time for that.
1: Sounds like the conference was a valuable three days for that lot and I hope you've enjoyed this, the first CIPD podcast. Don't forget, you can download or subscribe to this series of podcasts. There's three more to come, looking at leadership, managing change and talent management. So keep an eye on the website for the next instalment. Check out our show notes for loads more information about the topics covered at www.cipd.co.uk forward slash podcasts. And we'd love you to let us know what you think about what you've heard and, if you were there, to share your thoughts on the conference itself. So email us at podcasts at cipd.co.uk or visit our website, that's, once again, www.cipd.co.uk forward slash podcasts. So for now, goodbye.
0: You've been listening to the CIPD podcast.